do this. Today's guest is none other than Rot King, a longtime member of the multiplayer Doom community. It's hard to say what he's best known for, but perhaps recently as the co-author of Double Impact, which is an episodic replacement PWOD for the Ultimate Doom. In fact, in February 2020, Double Impact was the first community-made mod to be adopted by Bethesda as one of the official add-ons for the Doom Classic Unity port. He's also made significant contributions to almost every 32 and 24, as well as UDMX, Green War 2, and Doom 2 the way ID did, or the way it did. As a competitive player, he won the International Doom League Winter 2011 season, and in my opinion, he was one of the best fraggers of his era. Without further ado, please welcome to the show, Rot King. Howdy. How you doing, y'all? We're doing great. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, let's start. Let's start with your name, Rot King. I remember reading many years ago that you were a big fan of Rise of the Triad. Yeah. So is that is that where your name came from? Yeah. Uh, basically, I think I think it came about when I first tried to join the uh, the 3D Realms forums, like God only knows how many years ago, and I needed a nickname, so I was just like, "Hey, I like Rise of the Triad, uh, so I'm just gonna pick Rot King." That's what's always like confused me because uh, I know you were also like uh, modding for Duke 3D, right? And that's probably more worthy of basing your name around like Rot is a, a bit of a, I would say, a lame game. <laughs> wow, rude. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like I, I still just had a real personal kind of attachment to the game. Uh, around that time, like I was still like a like a big fan of it because it was like one of the first games that uh that was that we ever pirated. I think like my uncle pirated the game for me, like on a, on a bunch of floppies, and I just like really I don't know, just something about it. I really enjoyed it as a kid. So, oh wait, so you didn't play Wolfenstein before Rot? I don't think so. Oh, okay, okay, so I get it because for me it was like I've played Wolfenstein, then I was like playing Rot, and it, this is this is just repainted Wolfenstein, you know. So, so yeah, because I started with Wolfenstein. So for me, Rod was just a repainted Wolfenstein, and I didn't see much cool in it, especially with like Doom around the corner and everything. So it was kind of underwhelming for me personally. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just really wasn't very picky as a kid. Like, even if there were... I like I don't know if I even really picked up on those types of things or if I even really cared. I just really enjoy like the music and the the enemies in Rise of the Triad. Uh, oh, I loved the 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 God mode. Yeah, <laughs> like a lot of the voice lines in Rise of the Triad kind of almost became like uh like little memes between me and my brother and stuff. It was just like a game that you know just for whatever reason I it really resonated with me. So did you try to get involved in the online community of that game? Uh, not really, I guess, because I don't know how, I don't know if there really was like a community with the game of of Source, I guess. Okay, so then walk us through then how you found your way into the online Doom community. The first time I think I encountered you was on Skulltag, and I know that you were a big early proponent of uh, Skulltag and, um, you know, the work that Carnival was doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess I knew about Z-Doom and stuff like that. Uh, for like maybe a, a few years, I think I, f- I I eventually found Doom World, and I think from there I found Skulltag, 
And I can't remember which one I really played first. It might have been... It, it's like, it's so long ago. I might have played Z-Damon first, and then I moved to Skulltag. Well, by the way, when you found your way to Doom, were you like... Because, as I said, you, you also made some like mapping for Duke 3D. Was that before you, you joined the Doom community? Yeah, that was like, before. Like, I got back to the like playing Doom after I was just kind of like in in enamored with Dark Forces and the, the maps made for that. So it's <laughs> like stints with other games. And I know that you did Duke 3D, yeah. So now Yeah, it was pretty much like right off the heels of like some of the last few Duke 3D maps that I made was when I found Z Damon and Doom and stuff like that. So then uh you moved to like, did you just dive straight into the the Doom community, or well, you're like just probing probing around the corners first? Uh, I think pretty much because I think once I found Doom World and ZDM and a Skull Tag, then I went on IRC. I found those IRC channels, and it's funny that the first time I ever joined, like the I think the hashtag ZDoom channel, uh, I did not get along well with uh, some of the moderators there, like Bloodshutter. <laughs> Because I, I like I was a total dumbass because like first of all I had some kind of like already instilled bias of like IRC moderators in my mind because I just I feel like I I just had like some some like jerk moderators like uh, maybe a few years be, uh, before that like just like banned me for like shitty reasons so I was like already biased as hell so I come in there I'm like saying like dumb like noob stuff or or whatever and. When it, I think it was maybe like Bloodshedder or like somebody else, uh, like called me a noob, like jokingly or something like that. And I remember saying to him, "If you think I'm a noob, let's go and skull tag." <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, like the most if, if thing the you can were, say. If the roles were reversed, I'd be like this, this fucking moron. I think that was a common thing that happened. Like, I, who who did Ralphus battle on skull tag back in the day? Um, the name is. Blood Skull, was it? Yeah, Blood Skull. Yeah. It was like, let's challenge each other on Skull Tag. Like, uh, I don't know. I could think of 10 other things that I'd I'd rather challenge somebody on. And whoever loses has to leave the community. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, because this was like when I was big into like uh, playing Skull Tag Deathmatch. I I think this is when I joined the the seventh uh, clan with Shikoden and uh, Apotham and stuff. Yeah, and we, we spoke with Shy on one of our shows where he talked about seventh and then, you know, having Karn join and how big of a deal that was. I mean, that was a, that was a really fun time in the community. I think uh, that whole, that whole really small um, cooperative uh, skull tag community was probably next to what's happening right now. Cause I think we're in the middle of a resurgence right now, but I think that was probably the most fun that I've had playing in like a, a small community like that. I mean, between Friday night frag fest and just, you know, all these, all these random clans that were popping up. I mean, I think seventh was the best, but I don't know. I just, I really liked that period of time. And I thought, I remember, uh, I remember encountering you and, you know, we used to do those 10 frag duels. And I think, uh, I thought you were the, you and Ace of Spades were the best skull tag players. I thought, in my opinion. So I was always like kind of in awe of your play. I mean, mind you, I was like 11 or 12. So, you know, I was just like, wow, this guy's fucking awesome. Um, but I don't know. That was just the most fun that I had, and I, it seemed like it was just a really cool community of people. I know that changed later on down the line, but it was a fun time. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, 
It was like it's one of those weird kind of like once in a lifetime like capsule like time capsule type communities where it's like it's just like things are just never going to be that way again you know like it was it was definitely uh, a pretty cool time but you know man I, after making so many maps and stuff like that and like seeing like other people's maps that they've made it, ma- it really makes me realize just how like bad and amateurish the the like the uh stock skull tag maps were like God damn, those those things are really rough. Looking back really on them, bad. like yeah. yeah, I mean, I wasn't really making maps that much better at the time, but god damn, those those maps are rough. Yeah, but it, it was like the, the the community enthusiasm, and everyone was just let's do this, and yeah, that's a great map. Let's continue, and it's yeah. like you don't don't have the the feedback of all those uh, pros of, of that time. So, what do you know? Yeah, we were basically just in our own little bubble pretty much at that time. And yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, like, you seem quite the Renaissance Doomer. Like, were you mapping for Doom directly since the start, since joining? Because you have some really old entries in the archive. Yeah, I think I first started Doom mapping in 2005. I think it was when I was first making my uh, first Doom maps. You actually have a quite a lot of 2004 entries. Oh yeah, so, you know, those, those, might be, those might be just skins and stuff like that. I think okay. before I got into uh, making maps for Doom, I was making like skins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see now. Yeah, Doom 64 guy, Phobos, Cultist. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the first maps I made, like single player even, was uh, the UD speed mapping session, which I don't even know if anybody even remembers that shit oh, anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was uh, fuck. What year was that? Two thousand six. It was uploaded in two thousand six. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a ton of credits here, and then you know what's interesting? If we want to go back to two thousand six, looking at Dynamite Deathmatch, I didn't even discover that one until like two years ago, and I had no idea. I, I just had no idea it even existed. That's kind of ahead of its time. That looked like it could have been released in twenty eighteen or something like that. It, there's definitely some rough maps in there, um, but for the most part, I, I am still like fairly in proud of that map set. I guess um, if like if I were to like make a new version of it or something with like new maps, I, there's probably a few maps I would cut out just because like they definitely have not aged very well. But I, I do because I, I was just really interested in making stuff that was kind of had its own like each. Uh, self-contained gimmick, kind of like there was one map that I was like, you know, on a train. There was one map. Um, oh yeah, just like the the various um, Wild West type maps and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's really surprising that I can't believe you didn't know that that I that I made that until only like pretty recently. I, you know, with all the things that I'm hosting, I'm always like searching on Doom World, all these different places, trying to find like wads that have been forgotten by time through time or whatever. And uh, I just I came across Dynamite Deathmatch, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, like this, <laughs> this it, it was because it's uh, based in Skulltag, right? So I was trying to, I'm really trying to, um, I was really trying to find something that like nobody had played, and uh, it just it it jumped out to me as an early example of some of your later work, which uh, just in terms of the layouts and also the the texturing, I just thought it was really reminiscent of like or you know it was like an early 
iteration of some of the later stuff that you did. And I just, you know, you didn't see a lot of that kind of stuff then. You know, the texturing that we saw in a lot of multiplayer maps back then were not, they weren't very advanced. Um, the layouts, I mean, the layouts were okay, but they were still kind of simplified. You know, we hadn't really reached a point where we were doing kind of crazy layouts yet. So it just struck me as something that was ahead of its time. But yeah, I had I had never heard of it. I, I, I think I found it on my own. Maybe Zanero showed it to me. But yeah, it was super cool. That's actually kind of like an interesting point that you haven't ever heard of it because it kind of uh, showcases how, how split the single player and the multiplayer communities are because Dynamite Deathmatch, I think it got a Keck Award, right? Yeah. For best multiplayer <laughs> wow. pack of the year in yeah. 2006. So there, there you go. That's not at what least, I was paying attention to in 2006, apparently. Uh, yeah, uh, at least Kuba Steve played it. Uh, I think that that uh, Dynamite actually came about because I think we were after UDM three. Like, I joined UD pretty like uh, kind of late after UDM three uh, was already out. So like, I didn't really get a chance to make any maps for UDM three. So we were trying to come up with another uh, UDM project for me to actually make maps for this time around, and we were. It was like some kind of like the the first before UDMX. It was like some kind of weird. Um, like dark gothic UDM Elizabeth Bathory edition. <laughs> it like had maps uh, from me and Nod, and uh, it had like a really dark uh, color palette and stuff like that. And but that that project never really uh, took off. Like it wasn't until years later that UDMX was started. So I basically took the maps that I was going to make for that, and I uh, put them towards uh, Dynamite Deathmatch. It seems like that's a common a common thing that happens where we start a project, it doesn't really get finished, and then maps end up getting applied somewhere else. So imagine that. Like, okay, let's look at 2004, 2006, you had a decent amount of credits. But then it's like, after 2007, it's like it just exploded. I mean, if you look at every single 32, 32 and 24, the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth, five, diet 32 actually, and 24. You're probably the, the only person who... Uh, like you had the longest streak of making maps. Like you, you went from yeah. one to sixteen, right? You only missed the last one, the seventeen one. <laughs> yeah, I think when you look at quantity over quality, I mean, there are plenty of people out there that can can shoot out, you know, hundreds of maps, but most of them are throwaway maps. Every single Rock King map to me is. Like I was saying, the layouts and the texturing that you use, I think, are, are super unique. And it was just like, I, I don't know what happened after th- 2007, but you just went on this hot streak <laughs> where it was like you were just releasing incredible amounts of stuff year after year after year. Is there anything like, I, I, I don't think the community was particularly huge during that time, but it just seemed like you just had a creative spark that, you know, you, you became kind of like the de facto multiplayer mapper. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to really. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I was just like, I was just really enamored with a, a lot of the stuff that was going on in the community at the time, uh, the thirty two and twenty fours, and then my first, uh, first real single player foray with the community chess three, in which was an absolute giant beast of a map, um, that somehow was my first single player map. Um, <laughs> that takes like an hour to complete. At least, yeah, yeah. Like that's definitely a map that I would not make 
today for sure because I definitely I feel like I, I've if there's one thing I really learned over the years of making maps, it was definitely that uh, like brevity is like really important, and I try to focus on making stuff that's like short and concise now rather than like hugely like long slogs and stuff. Not that I like I don't really think the uh, community chess map was really that much of a slog, but it's like it's just so much just so much map, you know. It's it's something I I try to avoid at this point because I prefer it's exhausting the sort of stuff I make. Yeah. Like you, you think you're about to end and then it's like opens to an entire new vast area and it just keep going. And it's actually like you probably were like an inspiration for a lot of people in community just for like they saw your like magnum opus and now it's called like like the uh, magnum opus syndrome that everyone in community chess just thought yeah I I need to have like the biggest most badass uh, most amazing map in there so it's like one hour long map after the other in community just for. So you started a trend there, sort of. <laughs> well, isn't there like the um, Citadel at the Edge of Eternity? Is that what it's called? There's also Was that also oh, in yeah. CC3? That's in CC Chest 1, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but that's kind of a, a huge outlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how that possibly could have uh, influenced people. I, I, I was the one, I'm the one to blame for making every, everybody make these giant ass maps and in the same year there was uh 32 and 24 4 which was the first ctf uh one and like that was a load of crap on the other <laughs> hand that megawatt also has some of the maps that are still played in in leagues to this day like because there's some like literally like gems in the mud and both of your maps are probably that because right. they're really popular like, the maps that are still played from that wad are your maps. <laughs> Isn't there? Uh, what was was Bruntalophagus from from that one? There's Decade Bays of Boppin, and there's. Uh, oh, you're not going to try to say Evil that first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not pronouncing the demon names. And Evil Mans of Destruction. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruntalophagus is in that too. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I think. Yeah, I think that map's fairly good too. I think that was pretty. Oh good yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, there's some other stuff like there's generic gray, and there's Mount Zero, <laughs> but uh, the good maps, the actual good maps, are are probably like yeah, these ones. Yeah, it's really only like a handful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think it started a trend because we were so 2007. If we place ourselves right, that was the first season of the IDL. So we were trying to find maps that were different than just playing ZDCTF or I think even um, ZDUCTF at that time. So 32 and 24 was like, wow, we have whatever, over 32 maps to choose from here. So like, like you said, it was like choosing, you know, a diamond in the rough kind of, um, but it started a trend where we were looking forward to every 32 and 24 CTF release that came out because I mean, you know, it was like, well, if, if Rot King's making a map, then it's probably going to be good. We can at least include that. But it, it was definitely the beginning of a trend where, I mean, your maps were probably take up a third of of any compilation wad that gets put out. So is there any method? Let's say that you're, you're mapping, uh, you know, a competitive capture the flag map 
um, what kind of a method would you use? Like, did you draw from maps that you've played or maps that you enjoyed or, you know, I'm not a mapper. So I, I, I really struggle to put myself like, like I have ideas about what, what I want a map to look like, but I have no idea how to actually visualize them and put them on the screen. So I'm just curious where your mindset came from when you were, you were making some of these maps, like, did it come from your experience as a player or is it just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I kind of think, I mean, early on, I think a fair amount of the so, I mean, you know, I'm being self deprecating here, I guess, but I feel like early on some of the stuff was just kind of like happy accident type stuff. Like, I don't know how much of it was like, you know, super calculated. Like I'm 100, 100% sure this is going to be a good map. Like, I mean, I think I was, I just wanted, I would just, was putting down stuff. Um, I don't know if you really, if I was taking inspiration from like other maps or things like that, but I think I was just like kind of just putting down lines and just seeing. Um... I can, like, uh, if I can, like, uh, because you've mapped uh, a lot of speed maps, but also like long term uh, projects like the UDM map sets and. Uh, I don't know, CGI. So, like, was there uh, the same method for speed maps, like 32 and 24? You gotta basically shoot out the, the design in, in an hour or something, because in a lot of these, you've done more than just one. And then you've got something like UDM, which is tweaked for a year, maybe more, before it's released. So was there, like, a difference between those uh approaches or where you like always with this like okay i'm just laying shit down we'll see where it goes we'll see how it plays i don't know but it's like throw shit at the wall see what sticks or just some method i mean i think usually i have some vague idea in mind of like a general sort of layout like maybe it could be even just like one room or like two rooms or something like that where I think like, okay, you know, this might be like a cool idea for a map. And then I build that portion. And then from there, I kind of, I kind of just like build off of that and see like what, what other kind of inspiration hits me. And I think that's pretty much my, like, I feel like that's almost always been my method for, for making maps uh, for 32 and 24. It's probably like the same thing. It's like, I just have some big idea like, Oh, it's like two bases connected this way. And the, uh, the base it has this sort of layout and I'll just like go from there and see what happens. Um, I mean, I think even beyond layouts too, I mean, your texturing, I think is, is on another level <laughs> next to some, some other mappers. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I just, I've become like kind of a, a stickler for details. Maybe it was like partially like the Duke 3d mapping that made me work with textures a little bit better or something like that. And it's like it's not being just just the standards, just duels or or CDF or, or these standard stuff. Uh, you, you have you've mapped for ghosts versus humans as well, for example. So where are you like mapping for whatever uh, you know ca- caught your fancy? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I was I was definitely a big fan of ghouls versus humans at the time. I I mean I still think that mod is is a is a pretty fun mod. I think it's like kind of underrated a bit because I saw like the we're actually the, trying uh, to we're trying to bring it back. We we ran like what two tourneys? Oh, nice. Yeah. So at that time, like 
when I was playing ghouls versus humans, I saw like a fair amount of the maps, like, you know, they could be a bit better. Some of the maps were even like, you know, really kind of bad. So I, I really just wanted to, to make a map that like felt like it, it, it worked with the mod in a really nice way, because I, I, I think a lot of the maps that were made for the mod didn't really take a lot of the uh, like ghoul abilities and the movement and stuff in mind. So I really wanted to make something that really catered to the mod as much as possible. And that was actually a case, another case of one of the maps I made for the UDM that never got made. That was, that was one of the maps that I made for it. And so I worked off of that. I think you use like the, the realistic texture pack that I put out at the time. And I think my base inspiration for that map was like the uh, Stalker Shadow of uh, Chernobyl. I pretty much just wanted to make a map that was like that, uh, but for ghouls versus humans. So this is already like getting inspired by really modern games. Just yeah, that sort of inspiration into the the the, the old game. Yeah, I think I feel like even for like dynamite and stuff like that, I, there's always been like some sort of like like base inspiration in mind or like theme in mind or like game I wanted to imitate like Quake 2 or like Counter-Strike or like something like that. Well, uh, since we're talking about 2009 now, uh, there's like two projects that's basically like the, the dark era of, of, of dual mapping. And this is Green War 2 and uh, 32 <laughs> Green War 2, uh, <laughs> two very much malign projects. <laughs> uh, do you have like any recollection of what was going on with those two projects? I mean, I know at least like Green War Two. I know we we tried to avoid some over detailing. We didn't we didn't try to uh, make the paper uh, make the people slide around on like bumpy floors and stuff like that. But I think it still kind of ended up happening anyway, just because like. I feel like for for a long time, like Doom World, and maybe you could say it's still kind of a thing today. But Doom World, you know, it's it was very disconnected from like the multiplayer scene, so a lot of people didn't really know how to like make maps that were like optimized for multiplayer, like deathmatch and yeah. stuff like that. So I think we were we were just going through the maps, detailing as much as we could, and then you know, hopefully none of us like really mess with the maps too much like movement wise but i don't know the criticism i always heard about green war 2 was that it was over texturized and looked like green war but i mean i always liked the layouts i thought the layouts were good and then the layouts were still like they were uh still layouts from uh hellbent they were right he he basically he had like uh hundreds of, of layouts ready just lying around yeah. because he, he he had like this this factory for just scrapping them out just just you know the the circle method he like just made all these vaguely circular areas like rounded corners and everything some always around that and he would just produce like 20 a day or i don't know just just mass produce them but they were just not textured at all. They were just, you know, absolutely basic texturing, maybe even no item placement or whatever. So he had just a, a long list of these. So so the mappers were like picking whatever caught their fancy and then they started detailing it. 
which led to like a lot of because these were single player mappers, so they went nuts on on the detailing part. Well, and see, that's what I d- I never understood the argument against doing that because I mean, Green War was released at the time when I mean that's what every Doom map looked like, and so we've av- advanced our our mapping abilities, and we have so many examples of things that look great. Why would we just want to take Hellbent's layouts and do the bare minimum sure. in terms of texturing? I just never understood that argument. I think Green War Two is great. No, I, I mean, love it. It's it was sort of like a uh, a lesson for future gen- generations, which was like the, whatever uh, the mechanics started doing because uh, Green War. It's like I, I helped playtest it, and I I had to yell at people back then that they need to cut down on on stuff like uh, I've never heard you wall, yell at anyone. <laughs> wall detail, floor detail, like floor detail. It made like bumpy movement, and you couldn't jump anymore because when you ah, have okay. all those tiny tiny uh, you know protrusions in the floor, it you can't jump anymore. And stuff like that really it started like or there were like uh small details on the wall that ma- that broke your wall run like you were wall running uh along the wall, but then there was like a, a change of texture, and you just got stuck on that for some because doom so yeah there was there there was a lot of that, and also I think there might have been some instances of uh putting like impassable walls over like stuff that probably shouldn't have like even if it's just like mm-hmm. you know some like uh some brick floor like that's like protruding up like 16 units like it would be something you would think like oh i can walk over this but then it's just like oh no it's impassable wall there yeah basic uh like usually in in multiplayer you usually can can basically go anywhere you see if it's in the playable area but the single player mappers, they they you know they had their own mindset, and they started like yeah, uh, limiting things, over detailing some other things, and it's like it looks neat, but there were some huge issues with that project that they ba- were basically like they doomed it into uh, inf- infamity. Is that word? I don't know. Yeah, because there there was like I mean, Hellbent was uh, he was definitely like really. Uh, like protective of his maps and even if like i remember there was one very famous example it was like uh the ice level or like what the level that i turned into like an ice level like a big ice cavern and like so like yeah i put like a stalagmite near like a like near like this one uh exit door and like i i already pushed it pretty like far against the wall like i you know i made sure to not like if i was going to place some kind of blockable um like tree or something like that you know i would try to put it as much out of the way as possible and so like it was almost flush up against the wall and like he loaded up that map he saw that he was like this is trash you're like ruining my vision for my map why are you doing this like it was like a whole shit show and in- involving stuff like that like he, he got he mad had, protective over his map he had his friend uh the the guy was he he went by r just like r or, or r underscore r r like three hours, hours. <laughs> and that guy he he made something amazing. He wrote like a uh, it was a, like a dissertation on how genius uh, Hellbent designs are, and it was like a PDF that's like 
I don't know, 17 pages long or something. And he just explains how people butchered uh, Hellbent's vision. And he like extensively writes about the stalagmite in in that map, like like how how strategic it was, like you know when you were backpedaling, that's when the stalagmite come into play because it will limit your movement there, and and you butcher it by removing it to the side. Holy crap, that was amazing! I swear, I still have that PDF somewhere. It's it's huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was like bordering on like mental illness type stuff because it was just like completely <laughs> outlandish like bullshit. Like, dude, this this is like some this isn't like. If it was some kind of like really high stakes, like one on one map set where everything had to be like perfect, like, okay, I might agree with you, but this is like just, you know, random ass Green War 2 maps where it's just going to be pit players throwing each other and throwing yeah, themselves even, at each other. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, this is not, this entirety, is not like some big issue. The entirety of Green War is a throwaway uh, set of maps. Like, like, some of those maps are terrible, but. Uh, you just you just skip to the next map. You just don't care. They're really like uh, schematic and everything. So it's it's a really unique map set in that, like the way that we do thirty two and twenty four is is you pack the beginning of the wad with the good maps and then you know the garbage ones are near the end. Um, but Green War is like okay, you could have two like two really amazing layouts in a row. And then the third map is like the worst thing you've ever fucking seen. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very unique in that sense. There's actually, uh, what happened there is that uh, it was decided that the maps will be sorted by size, basically. So uh, the start of the map set is dual maps. And as you go towards the end of the map, you get to the large 16-player huge FFA maps. So it's kind of like growing in scale. The problem is that uh, it means that, yeah, you will have mm, good maps mixed with, uh, like, not-so-good maps. And you will also kind of break the flow of, like, a FFA session, you know? Because you can't start with the dual maps. If you have, like, eight players around, these eight players will start on the dual maps, and it will be just unplayable. It will be too, you know packed and then you go to the end of the map set and then eight players is not enough to populate these ginormous arenas so it's like it doesn't the entire set tries to cater everyone but doesn't do a proper job for anyone so yeah lessons learned basically yeah yeah and then so let's jump ahead a little bit to 2011 Double Impact. So uh, Double Impact, you know, I remember watching you and Ralph talk about it, but I I don't think I was fully paying attention to it until after it came out. But what was the original intent behind that? How did you guys start working on that? I think Ralph just approached me about wanting to, uh, I guess he just wanted to to, like do some sort of like experiment where we pass like maps back and forth, like, hey, let's make the single player map. I'll start the first room. I'll pass it back to you. You'll you'll make the next, and we'll just keep doing that until we finish it. And uh, I don't I don't know if there's really like any. I think he pretty much just like just came to me about it one day. Like I don't think we really had any kind of like big plan. It was just like, hey, you want to do this? Hey, sure, okay. 
And so it just like kind of went from there. I was like, hey, you want to make a second map? Okay, let's do it. And just kept going on and on from there. I mean, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do to take, uh, to make it a map, you know, flow when more than one person is working on it. I mean, that, that had to have, you had to have been communicating about how to make sure that, you know, stuff, stuff made sense when you were playing it through, right? Well, it's funny because we actually didn't really do much communication and planning like that. It was only until like pretty late in the map set that we actually started like uh, planning like what we what we had in mind for the map. Like maybe there was like at most early on, there was just like, okay, I have like one idea for like a trap room or something like that. Like for the most part, it was really just like we were just freestyling it. Like he, he would just like he would add on to a room or he would make a new room. And I would add on from there. And we, we really didn't have any sort of like game plan. We didn't have any sort of like planned expansion routes or anything like that. We would maybe just like briefly discuss what we, what kind of thing we would want. Like maybe there would be like a, some kind of slime walkway or, you know, some kind of a certain kind of secret or something like that. But there really wasn't much planning at all. This, this sounds amazing for one particular reason. Uh, and that is like, one of the things I like about DB Impact the most is the way, uh, like, uh, it's it's sort of built in a E1 tradition, like the Romero designs and everything. But it even expands on, like, two things. Uh, the openness of the design. Like, most of the monsters can just wander around the entire level. Like, they ch- can just chase you. They open doors. They, they go up and down lifts if they're there's any lift like like everything's accessible for the monsters so so they chase you around the the entire map or most of the map and there's also like the like sort of a uh gritty balance uh like the it's like a war of attrition uh like all these all these really uh, weak e1 monsters uh, shouldn't really threaten you, but since you don't really have armor and you don't have a lot of ammo for the chain gun or something, you're you're struggling because it's they just grind you down over time. So so when you say this this just happened out of thin air, it's it's almost unbelievable. Like it's it's really well put together. Yeah, it's definitely like a happy accident kind of situation. Because like you said, like we didn't really like have a plan from the from the start where it's like, hey, let's let's focus on ammo starvation, let's focus on resource starvation in general. Let's make it so these maps, like the the level is designed in such a way that the level I mean that the monsters have like a lot of maneuverability and stuff like that. It really it really did just like turn out that way. It's pretty funny. And the monster progression, because you start like introducing okay. Cacodemons, like you're using all of the uh, ultimate Doom monsters. So Cacodemons, okay, uh, but then Barons start creeping in. You you go with the like the hell infestation textures in the later maps. So basically, you just condensed Ultimate Doom into one episode, basically. So is that like was that also always the like a happy accident, or was that a plan? that you would just escalate into a huge boss map, which is a huge troll, by the way. <laughs> well, I think um, with that one, I think when, once we got to map three, we we discussed 
whether or not we wanted to like how much we wanted to keep it like episode one like true to episode one where you don't use any monsters beyond like pinkies and stuff like that and i think we just said like nah let's let's not do that because that's just gonna be like too tedious for like an entire episode so we decided to introduce cockademons and lost souls and and uh map three um so even though there's like there is a very heavy like e1 influence in like kind of design style and stuff like that we definitely didn't want to we didn't like want to follow it too much and we also wanted the map set to be like pretty difficult uh like you know much more difficult than regular episode one since episode one can be like fairly easy especially if you know all the secrets so we wanted we wanted to make sure there's like you know some real bite to a lot of the traps and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so given that you basically tapped uh ultimate doom out no chance of uh db impact episode two well we actually did discuss it's funny because there's um let's see if i can find it real quick yeah so there's there's an episode two project folder that uh i made in 2011 and so i guess that was like pretty close after their release like after we finished the the original double impact and there's like all of three files. It's like E2, M1, A, B, C, and that's it. <laughs> it's just like it didn't go anywhere pretty much. But I think yes. we did talk about like if we if we did make another like double impact sort of thing. I don't know if we, it, it might, not even, may, might not even have like the same name. Maybe it would, but it, I think we decided early on that it would be like Doom 2 and not Doom 1 again. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that would make more sense as, uh, yeah. And but you did actually uh, do more work with DB Impact because uh, a couple of years later, uh, you basically re-released it as an official uh, episode in Freedom, right? Yeah. Was that uh, just an idea you had, or a call to arms from the the Freedom people? How did that happen? I forgot who it was that contacted me about it, but you know, it was definitely not something I had in mind. I definitely was not thinking about that like at all. It was um I forgot who it was, but it's probably someone who like was managing the Freedom project at the time, but he just uh PM'd me on IRC and asked me if um we would be okay with having double impact be uh featured in Freedom. And I said, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Um, I think there was like a few things that had to get, um, either like cut or like sized down. I think I remember E1M7 had, had to have some changes made to it because of like, uh, like engine limitations and stuff like that. But I, I think I actually did some, some work on a, some like line of sight blockers to, to make sure like there wasn't like overflows. But I think beyond that, it was like. I think uh, they. I think he handled like the rest of the changes that were made. It, this meant also that you had to like relicense it. The, basically, now it's like free for taking by, by like anyone out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what even. I guess it would have to be that way. Yeah, because uh, Freedom. Uh, I think that's. I don't know if it's BDS license. Uh, I'm not sure, but basically, yeah, it's it means that, uh, yeah, it's it's completely free for for any use at all. 
It's funny because <laughs> like nobody really bothered with uh, trying to build off of it. Not that I even really would have cared though. Even if like, even if someone like came out with some kind of like uh, one that like they they like renamed and it featured like a whole bunch of copy pasted stuff from like Double Impact, like I probably wouldn't even care that much. And then you released it again in February of this year. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty uh, as, definitely pretty cool. As the the first community. Uh, it mandated, or however you call it, what? Uh, so, so did you have to do uh, even more changes? Oh yeah. So, I mean, I already had some lingering like regrets with uh, Double Impact, um, even like just like a year or two after it was released. And I, mean, I definitely had some things that like I wished I changed at, at the time. Um, the Baron so, switches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely the Baron switches, which is incredibly dumb that we even did that to begin with. Like, I don't even know why we bothered with that. But even beyond that, there was like just various changes, like some of the seekers. I wanted to change some of the items. I wanted to buff like the amount of health uh, in the secrets. Um, I wanted to add like a little more health and ammo in general, just to some of the levels. But for thinking about like people playing the game on consoles uh, specifically. I definitely try try to make sure that like the easier modes had a lot more concessions made as as far as like adding more health and ammo and making sure that things you know it would actually be doable for people who aren't that great uh, at playing Doom, especially with a controller. And this was like your own uh, your own initiative, or was there like uh, a request from from the id people? Oh no, this is the, this is just. Um, something I want to do. I don't think they haven't really... You already knew. Yeah, yeah. I already knew that uh, I wanted to make those changes because I I definitely feel like there would be some annoyed people with how, like, just how masochistic some of the the traps are in in that that wad, especially, like, the... um, the, um, There's, like, a very specific areas that I wanted to... uh, I wanted to add more resources too like the e1m9 teleporter so like that that teleporter trap is probably like one of the nastiest in the entire episode like it's definitely like bordering on like unfair almost because it's just so much shit surrounding you so like stuff in map six i i have still nightmares about (laughs) yeah so for e1m9 like i put a i put a soul sphere there before the teleporter uh e1m8 i definitely buffed the items so now there's I think there's even on UV there there might be a starting green armor, but then on the easier modes there's like a soul sphere. Um, I made the plasma rifle secret and E1M E1M8 um, a little more obvious. I moved the berserk pack that was like in the slime on one of like near one of the bridges. I put it just onto the bridge now. And you know you guys got a feature on Bethesda's website. A nice, a nice interview that I thought was pretty informative. That must have been, I mean, that's a pretty cool moment, right? Yeah, that's definitely pretty cool. Uh, I can't say I've been like interviewed by like any sort of like publication or like you know company before, so that was definitely pretty cool. Did you get some some sort of feedback about it? Like, <laughs> did you get paid? <laughs> mm, no comment. No comment about the last <laughs> one, but. Um, 
No, um, screaming fans, screaming fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, as far as the feedback goes, like, like I said, I don't think they ever, like, I don't think the playtesters ever really suggested anything to us about like things we maybe we should change, like things that that are too difficult. Um, it, it was like purely just like I, I just immediately knew what I wanted to change to cater to like people uh, playing on console and stuff. Well, I think it's a great way too. Now that, now that it's out there for for anyone that's discovering Dune for the first time, you know, I I think it's a pretty unique situation where you have something that, you know, was collaborated on by by two significant members of the community, and it's just a really good way to draw players in. I I was pretty happy to see that that was included, and you know, they were able to make a pretty good feature out of it and kind of build it up and hype it up. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So returning back to 2011 again, because th- this is the time that you also worked on another high-profile uh, single-player uh, project, uh, and it is actually uh, that Spectre Set an X, of course, which didn't come until much later, at least officially. Uh, but that's basically, I remember you contacted me uh, with uh, your map. For, for the project, your first map, uh, in like 2010 or something. I wasn't even on the team back then, but you just came to me like, yeah, do you want to test this? And and you need this resource pack. And I was like, whoa, what is this resource pack? Like, this is huge. <laughs> and from that, yeah, like I eventually got on the team as well. So so that's how the, the entire cooperation started with, like you basically draw me in <laughs> into the team. Well, yeah, uh, of so, course. I mean, dude's the de facto playtester, man. So, do do you have anything to you like like some memories about those times uh, developing BTSX? Is like it's it's honestly very hard recollecting like anything about a lot of these old projects. Um, I mean, those were some some really high profile maps you were making, like they the just insane uh mapping trickery inside of vanilla yeah i mean i definitely feel like my map i think my map was one of the ones that is like one of the oldest maps in back to saturn x um i think a lot of the other maps they either got thrown out or they got like heavily like um like worked on changed up and stuff like that so unfortunately like while it was cool to work on the project um i'm not like i'm not like totally satisfied with like how the map turned out and also apparently the map wasn't like looking up to par like on like graphics wise like texturing and detail and stuff like that so they actually had um like maybe like a few years into the project they had skill saw and like uh work on it a bit but the thing is the thing is um i don't think he ever told me because all i knew was that he was just going to touch up the map, like details, textures, stuff like that. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. And then, like, you know, weeks go by, he posts the map on the forums, and I go through it, and I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool. He definitely did a good job on retexturing some of the areas. And I finally get to, like, um, the last area, which is, like, the red key area. Yeah. And it was like, oh, uh, okay. This a lot. Is, yeah, this is uh, looking pretty different. And so I was actually like, it's it's hard to remember how salty I was at the time. I don't think I was terribly like pissed off, but 
Oh yeah, it was definitely was... like it, it was. It was. Def... Oh no, go ahead. There was some failure in communication, basically, back in those days. Like that happened. With a few mappers actually. Yeah. But yeah. Someone yeah. Someone was handed like the the reskinning aspect, and then it, they also edited entire sections of the map, and then the the mappers, the original mappers, were like feeling salty about it, and that yeah. <laughs> happened to you as well and yeah, that's one like, of my biggest regrets about the entire project yeah he, he like he did not like he didn't mention to me at all that he was going to be like axing an entire like section of the map because i actually kind of liked how that red key section came out i mean i'm, I'm not going to say like the, the the section i made was better i mean obviously what he made was like it, it was just more well built is more fleshed out so you know i'm not going to say like oh i'm better than skull saw piece of shit but it, at the same time, like it was like a, a pretty shitty feeling to have something like just uh, an entire section just cut out without even me even knowing about it. You still have uh, another map, uh, another map in episode one, uh, the U.S. Mustard Company. Uh, that one's, I I believe, is is one hundred percent Roth King. Yeah, that is <laughs> with one of the coolest opening shots in the entire set. Like like you. you did some crazy stuff with texturing there, right? To kind of like fake, uh, like coloring, like you know the 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 sort of stuff Doom sixty four does. Yeah, I think I can't remember really what my main inspiration was. It might have been like Doom sixty four. It might have been like Unreal Tournament or like something like that. I all I know is I had an idea in my head that I wanted to make some kind of like big light tower. And I don't know if I even really went through the textures at the time. Like, like I don't know if I even really had an, an idea for the fake color lighting at the time. But once I looked through the metal textures and I saw, like, oh, there's, like, gold variants of, like, the, the same metal texture that I'm using right now. So, man, wouldn't it be cool if, like, I put this on the walls and it looks like, oh, shit, this looks pretty cool. And it's funny, that, that, uh, that portion of the map was actually made after... Like that that wasn't the, the the initial like area of the map that I that I started with. That was like that came like halfway through that I finished the other portion of the map and then I went back and it was like, you know what, I don't like that the original starting area I made, so I'm just gonna make a new one. And so I just made like an entire differently entire different area off to the side and that's what became like the new starting area. So then you also have a, another map in Back to Sudden X episode two, which is one of the cruelest, meanest maps in the map set as well yeah <laughs> and do do can we look forward to something in episode three maybe well yeah <laughs> episode three is uh i mean i'm not gonna say like it's probably not as hard as bite um it's definitely not as non-linear as um bite or u.s mustard company or anything it's, it's definitely more of like a kind of scenic uh linear kind of level that was inspired by like some uh is actually inspired by this one like japanese artist on the the art website uh pixiv like he had some really cool like nightmarish spooky looking like illustrations and i really wanted to make a map that was like heavily inspired by it but it's more of a mood piece at the start of the episode yeah well i I don't know if it's like at the start but you know yeah, but you had uh, in episode one and two, you have like the the finishing maps where the uh, difficulty ramps up. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, you also worked on uh, around 
the same time, actually. So you, you were in all of the huge projects. You were also on Doom 2 the way it did, right? So uh, you will, like, that's the project where the mappers are supposed to, like, religiously study the style of original id mappers of, of certain maps. And then they try to, like, make a new map with identical mapping techniques, basically. Like, like, uh, like the, the, falsifying painters like they would draw a fake Monet or something <laughs> that it's completely undistinguishable from the original <laughs> that sort of like fakery yeah and and you did two maps like you did uh you copied the citadel which is which is quite a feat because Sandy Peterson is uh is weird and the map Definitely. is weird. The Citadel is completely weird. Definitely. <laughs> so, like, uh, and then you also, you were given the task of making a fake entryway, which is probably the, the hardest task that can ever be uh, made about a, a Doom 2 clone, because it has to be also a multiplayer map. <laughs> yeah, so that... that um. Doom 2 the way it did, I definitely remember because I, I don't think I initially was like the person like who was just given that task. Like it was just like, hey, make this map one for us. It was more like all of us, like me, Essel, Tarns, maybe a few other people, all of us were like throwing out maps left and right, trying to um make like the theme like starting map. And it was I think the one that you see in the mod now, like the final one. That map is probably like my sixth or like seventh attempt at making a map of one. <laughs> like it definitely took a lot of tries. It was it was not easy. Yeah, because you need to really capture the feel of the map, the progression, kind of like the quirky introduction. But it also has to be this semi-broken multiplayer map with really weird uh, standoffs. And I remember we were actually testing that together. And it was all sorts of weird, like, yeah, we need to, like, yeah, you, you created these sort of, like, one-way pathways. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, it's kind of like a like a spiraling uh, kind of layout. Yeah, but it's it, uh, definitely, like, traps. Traps people in some areas. But you definitely made, like, areas where one player can get trapped, basically. So it's not your regular circular design. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a one-way kind of racetrack. I, I think I, I I'd pretty much try to make it like, you know, the original Map 01, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's linear. It's kind of bullshit. You know, the layout has dead ends. Um, at the same time, like you have to make it like an introductory map. Like you have to show like switches and doors and, um, walk triggers to show the player like these are things that are in, like in the game and it was really tough balancing like both the single player aspect and the like the multiplayer trying to make it like a, an actual like decent competitive map at the same time and there's your idea for our future dual tournament because I don't think it's ever been run in a competitive tournament or even competitive setting like everyone dismisses it because, like, yeah, that's the single player project, right? Well, there's one multiplayer map in it. 
That would that would would actually be pretty funny. I wonder I wonder how that would turn out. Well, I mean, I, I have to say, as a player, the the last two things that we've been talking about, Back to Saturn and Doom Two, um, I think they were the public sessions that we had when those things were first released. Some of the most fun I've ever had. I mean, especially Back to Saturn X. That was probably my favorite WAD that's been released in the last ten years. So, I mean, hey, you know, we run <laughs> we run tournaments on anything nowadays. So, why not? There's also like uh, moving slightly forward another project of yours that's been um, a bit of an underdog. I, I even disrespected it as a whole online, which is Countercode in- Initiative, uh, Alfonso's project, <laughs> uh, dual maps, and you have two maps in them, and one of them is Saskatoon. And I let Bones talk about Saskatoon. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Saskatoon um, because it was one of the maps that was featured in the Take the Crown prize tournament that we just ran. Um, but I think it's it's a really unique layout. It it actually focuses a lot on the shotgun, chain gun, uh, essentially weapons that I think players aren't used to focusing on these days. Uh, so I think it's a really unique approach to a modern day dual map, which is putting players out of their comfort zone and uh, also taking inspiration from modern, I, I would say it's, it's maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems to me like it's inspired by Quake, uh, just the layout itself. Um, what do you remember about making that map? Because I think it, I think it really captures uh, what the, the, I think it captures the way that we're heading in terms of uh, dueling in the community. I think it's it's definitely got some aspects that uh, we didn't have 10 years ago with dueling. I think it's something that the players have really kind of gravitated towards on their own without a lot of pushing. And I think that says a lot when you're trying to introduce a new play style. To a it, fills a, it fills a niche in the map pool. Yeah, that, there's there's where I was going. Well, I, I mean, it's definitely pretty hard trying to make like a a good Doom Doom Two one on one map because a lot of the time, a lot of the best maps generally seem like happy accidents, especially stuff like Dwango Five Map One. I mean, like who who would be like you know, like the person making it would be like, yeah, this is definitely like you know a great, amazing one on one Doom map. It's definitely all calculated and stuff like that. The only like only maps that kind of give me that vibe that they were like pretty calculated is stuff like King One and like Judas Twenty Three. Like those maps feel like the author definitely knew like all the stuff, um, like how the, like how the map was going to how how it was going to be played, how everything worked, um, that it was going to be like fairly competitively sound and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Judas Twenty Three has a, a version without the underscore at the end, which doesn't have the uh, the BFG lift and it plays like crap. The BFG oh, really? just lies there. Like there's no lift. There's the BFG is just in that cubby hole, and it just it's too simple. It it ruins the the balance. So yeah, there <laughs> there was like a cycle of development for that map. Yeah, so I guess there was a bit of playtesting and feedback for that one. Yeah, yeah. So for Saskatoon, I don't think I really had any kind of idea in mind. Um, I know I wanted to incorporate like the the King One style like instant lift in, into BFG 
that sort of thing. Uh, have that be like the centerpiece of the map. Um, I wanted something with a decent amount of height variation, some little, a little bit of like movement tricks here and there, as far as like the getting to the rocket launcher. And then from there you can strafe run to where the SSG is and things like that. I don't think I really had like much more than that other than, you know, it's just, you know, yet another like flow of consciousness, consciousness, uh, kind of map, but actually, from seeing like the recent dual tournament and people playing in the map, I actually f- feel like I saw some things that could be improved upon. I actually didn't make a, an edited version of it maybe like a few weeks ago where it's like, I added like a little path. Um, you can like, if you, if you're at the rocket launcher, you can actually like strafe run to the top metal platform. You don't have to like go and fall down to the right where like the, the brick staircase is. So there's like, there's things like that. I adjusted. I actually made the BFG a little easier to get because I feel like the BFG was a little too hard and I actually um, discouraged people from like trying to get it because I noticed most people didn't even really bother trying to get the BFG. So I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just make it easier and maybe that'll encourage people to try to get it more. There were some really like uh, awkward uh, falls as well. Like people were trying to do the jump and failed and it was like yeah. ah, okay now they're really paying for their attempt to get the BOG and ah, yeah it's it's like very very hard jump like in in when you're under pressure from your opponent yeah and so I, I do that on their own but not with your opponent killing you all the time yeah i made it much easier now hopefully and hopefully that'll like uh actually be like a thing using the map now yeah, I felt like the way that it the way that it is, and not that this is a bad thing, but when you try to go for the BFG, it it's it's pretty obvious to your opponent. So it's it's just really difficult to grab. And I think that's what players realized was like they didn't have enough time to grab it before the opponent could come around and kind of like head them off in the other direction. So uh I would be I would be interested to see how your new version would play. Because you said you made the BFG easier to get, so I wonder if that would change the dynamics of the map. But I mean, even even in saying that, I felt like there were definitely times where players did get the BFG. And, you know, I don't think it really, I don't think it made the map, you know, better or worse. I just think it was one of those things where, you know, maybe um, as time goes on and people play that map more, they'll have better strategies, um, better ways of, of uh, maneuvering around and trying to get that, that weapon and and use it but yeah i mean again you know it's like fawning over all of your maps but it's it's just really i really thought it was kind of the hidden gem in in the inclusion of the map the map pool that we used so i was happy to see that a lot of people kept gravitating back towards it because we 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 discussed this on our last podcast but we just expected players to go back to all the maps that they knew and so it was cool um, it was cool for them to to really gravitate towards Saskatoon. Yeah, I, I think I really wanted to make like a, a solid and competitive one on map one on one map for a long time. It's just very difficult, like I said, because I feel like a lot of the best ones are usually like happy accidents. So it's kind of hard to and the only every I feel like every popular Doom dual map always has like some kind of like uh, fo- gimmick that it focuses on. Like Dweller, ha- you know, has like the bunch of weapons in the middle it's very like um it's very linear it's very like uh you just crawl around the map sneak around the map uh trying to get at each other you know it's very like long drawn out matches usually 
Judas is like really like breakneck pace kind of map. King one is definitely kind of map where you, since the the map is larger, there's player have players have more time to like move around and um, just like position themselves better, I guess. So it's like it's kind of hard to like come up with a map that has some kind of like actual like solid gimmick to it, but isn't just like so gimmicky that like nobody ever wants to play it. Yeah, and you it's hard because you almost never know what map's gonna catch on and what's not. But yeah. In this case, yeah, I think if you I think the key for for you, what what I've noticed is you you definitely find yourself moving away from anything that could be considered a gimmick. And I think that's what helps you when you make your maps um, and uh, in their popularity. I think a lot of these uh, dual maps, like e- even the classic ones, you know, and this is just me talking, but uh, I find a lot of them to be gimmicky. So they kind of get tired of, uh, I kind of get tired of playing them. So I think that that, that strategy helps you um, in terms of your popularity and, and the fact that players actually relate to the map and enjoy them. So um, I wanted to actually mention something that <laughs> I I think is super cool, but I'm sure has fallen by the wayside unless you're someone that's involved in Doom World. Um, but Elf gets pissed. I oh yeah, let's chase away please. all our uh, listeners <laughs> because we're going to talk. Oh, come on, heretic! <laughs> Ew, heretic! That game's so bad, though. The balance of the weapons that they sound they sound like farts. All the weapons sound like <laughs> farts, and and the weapon uh, the 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 monsters are spongy. Uh so so it's not as good as Doom, so I'm not gonna play it. So so here's a here's a here's a project for Heretic, where you 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 were you were awarded a cake award for it, and basically yeah it's it's a damn good map set. So so how do you make a good map set for Heretic? Because come on, that game sucks. <laughs> I know it's so bad, right? Like who the hell would even want to make put that much effort into making an entire episode of maps for Heretic? I mean Jesus. Um. So I think this is a case where is you know it almost kind of started like double impact where I I originally just made like a, a heretic standalone one on one map just because I wanted to make a heretic map which in that map actually became uh, map three I think in Elf Gets Pissed it's like the the city one Rondo of Blood I think it's called and um, I think it was like also the uh, the activity where uh, Chain Dude he had like a, a heretic one on one map set, and there was also like a, a Skull Tag Last Man Standing heretic project, and so like there was like you know a fair, fair amount of uh, like heretic stuff going on. So I was like, you know what, I I kind of feel like just making an entire map set for for heretic. Although, um, I think when Elf gets pissed first started. I didn't actually expect to make make all the maps myself. I think I had like a text file where I kind of like roughly planned out what each map, each map's theme was going to be and uh, which slot I was going to get and which slot other people were going to get. Um, I think I, I was only going to make like three or three or four maps maybe. And then I was just going to invite other people to uh, fill in the rest of the slots because I was thinking to myself, oh God, like I don't want to make an entire episode of Heretic Maps. Jesus. Um, I think 
I don't think I've really ever contacted anyone besides Pavera. Pavera actually, he made a heretic map, and I think I asked him if I if he would be okay with it being in Elf Gets Pissed. But then later on, like I think he said yeah. But then later on, I was like, you know what? This map is actually like it's 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 pretty cool, and it's like it's it's very detailed, and it's like it's kind of like it doesn't really fit the style of like some of the other maps um, that I, I I had made already. And I was kind of like ah, you know. Maybe this map is like too good for Elfgad Spiss, you know, Pavera. Just go like, you know, have that be for your for like your own project, maybe if you want. And so like I think from there I kind of just decided to like um maybe just fill all the slots myself. And I kind of just was just going at it map by map. I think for Heretic, I mean the stock maps in Heretic are, are like generally like pretty bad. Especially maybe some of the like the later episodes, like episodes two and three, and they just have like really weird layouts. They don't really use the monsters as well as they could. And there's like a shitload of ammo and power ups everywhere. You. The, you're overstock all the time. Oh, overstocking? No, overstocked. <laughs> like you, you have you have so many tomes, you don't know what to do. With oh yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And um, sorry, I think he said something else there. Um. Yeah, and it's like I wanted to make a map set that really and capitalize on heretic and actually make a. I, I think the goal of the the map set was trying to make a, a heretic map set where it was actually like pretty difficult and engaging because usually when people think of heretic, they don't think it's like very exciting because and then, you know they, they are they are right to a point. Like I I definitely will agree. Like you know Doom's gameplay is more exciting than heretic, but uh, I feel like. I feel like Heretic definitely had potential to be like more than it actually was, like with the stock maps and stuff like that. So I just wanted to make something that was good for good for the game. Um, like you were you were kind of like playing with a lot of gimmicky ideas. You were trying to like do a a, a light slaughter in Heretic, like introducing these concepts that are really uh, you know your daily bread in Doom, but not really common in Heretic at all. Yeah, I, I tried to play to like Heretic's strengths. Like, I tried to make sure there was like a, a lot of time bombs because I feel, I feel like time bombs are definitely one of the coolest like items in Heretic that can, that you can use, and then they're like pretty underutilized. Even though I was trying to focus on like unique and then like innovative ways of like using the power ups and stuff like that, I feel like there's still room for me to to do more of that experimentation. But at that you point, kind I kind of you started touching up on on gameplay too. Right, it's there's some dehack stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of dehack stuff. And now looking back on it, I kind of wish I did more. I kind of wish I I messed with the enemies more. I'm I wish I messed with the the weapons more. Um, some of the maps like maybe could have been like maybe like I should have used like the uh the flight power up. Um, there's probably like a gimmick I could have done with that, or like the the explosive barrel equivalent, which I still kind of have an idea like uh, for for a map. Um, but f- yeah, for the most part, it was just like just play, uh, like play to the game's strengths, focus on the stuff that makes Heretic unique, rather than just like make a uh, an episode that's like Doom, you know, in Heretic or something like that. And you, you basically, I feel that Al gets pissed, opened the door for uh, the Wayfarer, not Jabba's uh, Megawatt Heretic. Well. Uh, an entire set, and that's something that's the heretic done right. I don't know if you 
I, I guess you've played it. He, he, I, I'm pretty sure Nojaba contacted you about the changes in gameplay. As oh yeah, yeah. He definitely, he definitely mentioned to me that like um, Elfa gets pissed was like a, was an inspiration and stuff like that. Well, it's. I mean, we've never had map sets for Heretic that people wanted to play in the community, so. I don't and know I would, if that's a good thing or a bad yeah, thing. I, but. Would, I would recommend both Elf Gets Pissed and The Wayfire to anyone who, who doubts that Heretic can be fun. <laughs> so another map, too. You you were a part of uh, 32 and 24, 16, which was another return to CTF. And you only had one credit, but it actually in recent years, Bad Moon has become, for me... Uh, <laughs> So there was a season of the WDL where I actually, I think I chose the map list that was going to get played throughout the season. And Bad Moon was one of them because it was, you know, the thinking behind trying to choose maps in that in that environment is, okay, you, you try and make sure that throughout the season there's a flow of the maps, you have different styles. Um, but then also you want to throw that curveball to people and you want to throw that map that maybe they haven't played much um, that still has, you know, it still fits the style of what you're looking for. So. Bad Moon was in one of the WDL wads, um, but it was never played before. So I threw it in there, and I, you know, this is not because of the map. This is because people come, they don't like things that they don't know. But people were complaining, you know, oh, why are we playing Bad Moon? What, What is this? And then you get to the week of the map, and people are practicing it, and they fall in love with it, which is another great example of, you know, your ability to create a fucking great competitive capture the flag maps um i mean i i think it's fairly simple but at the same time it's definitely got some some new aspects uh that like okay the the lift that takes you up um on the size of each of the bases that's kind of something that we haven't seen from you before where you have this area that you know you can you can kind of defend yourself from like let's say if you have the flag and you're up there you can kind of stand by the lift and you know stop people from coming at you that way but at the same time we've gone so far now where so many players use rocket jumping that they can actually rocket jump up there from the other side um so i don't know i i was curious what what your if you can remember what your thought process was with that map because i i think that was one of the 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 few maps that have come out in the last couple years that i think actually capture you know the way that people are playing today and not just like you know what we used to see with zdctf or some other large megawatt that came out that was like oh we're trying to fit you know 16 people in this map uh, i think that map originally came about because i think uh i was like playing a lot of splatoon at the time that uh that game on the um i think the the first one was on the wii u before the switch and like that game has like kind of like uh, CTF-ish bases for, for like each team. And so uh, I, I was trying to imitate one of, the, one of the maps in that game, but it actually became like the layout became so different from what I was like trying to imagine and like copying the, the original map. I was like, okay, this is like not even like the same map anymore pretty much. And it's it's funny you mentioned like the, the rocket jumping. I think I, I could be wrong, but I think I did like play with that possibility when I was making the map. Like I think I didn't, leave open the possibility for like rocket jumping and stuff like that. I try to make it uh, like whenever I make maps, you know, I try to think of like as many like exploits and tricks as possible. And when making it like, 
stuff, uh, potentially things that players might do. And so I think I probably like stumbled upon that like accidentally, like, oh, hey, like, I guess the player could like rocket jump up here if they wanted to. But then I was like, you know, this actually, it's actually fine. Like, I'm not going to prevent them from trying to do that. I will just call it like a, a feature of the map and stuff. Well, you didn't you didn't make it easy because I think a lot of the ceilings in that map are lower, so you had to be at a spe- specific spot in in order to make the rocket jump. So, yeah, you definitely didn't make it easy, but I I feel like the most interesting part of that map is like it, it's the middle of it where you just have these two giant columns. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, ten years ago people would look at this map and go, "What the fuck." You know, you, you need, we need to see across the entire middle of the map uh, or we can't play it. And when, you, when you're actually going through it and you're playing it against another team, it's just, uh, you know, you can round the corner of one of those columns and bam, there's somebody right in your face. It, it just adds a different aspect to, to playing that I really enjoy. I think I, when I'm, whenever I make CTF maps, I think I do try to include like those middle ground, like site blockers. I know I don't think I really do it all the time, but uh, I can some of the maps that I can remember. I did like specifically put that stuff in there to to make sure it's not just like you know one long line of say from base to base, and it's like it it kind of makes it harder to like get away because like you know there's no there's no cover to hide behind or anything like that. And yeah, that was that was definitely something uh, purposeful, purposeful that I did with the map. All right, I have one more map I want to talk about in in your resume uh, from 2017. Uh, and this is a map that's probably not on everyone's radar, uh, and that's Steep Town. And I don't want to talk necessarily about the map itself, but about the, the event uh, that it was mapped for. Because it was uh, that was the uh, Vinesos, uh event where Joel wanted to uh, like everyone send him maps, and he like would then decide which ones were the best. Uh, like, wh- what do you make out of that entire event? Because it was it was all sorts of weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of knew going into it. That one, like, I, I was pretty sure I wasn't, I wasn't going to win because I, I kind of had a feeling like the stuff that I was going to win was it's, it wasn't going to be won by just pure level design. It was going to be won by maybe mm-hmm. level design. Yeah, level design and gimmicks. Like, it was going to be gimmicks and mods and, you know, jokes and stuff like that. So I, from, this, or from the start, I kind of I knew I wasn't going to win, but I wanted to make something cool anyway just to, like, throw it in there and you know, have, have Joel play it was on stream in front of thousands of people. I mean, that's, you know, a pretty good incentive right there. Um, but I, I think, I, I don't know if you remember it, but I definitely did cheat a little bit <laughs> with that map because it was like, um, you had you like, a, make, like a Duke 3d map sort of. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but like uh, explosions and yeah. So stuff. like, the map actually, I made it like probably months, maybe even like a year or two before the contest even was a thing. But when I say I made the map, and I made, I only made like the very few like areas in the center. Like I just like one day I just opened Doom Builder and I was like, you know, I have a gimmick in my head, so I'm gonna map it out. So the gimmick was 
it's like a, a ring of like like really high uh, like floor levels that surround each other and you, you basically like go up level like multiple times and stuff like that like one big pit and so like that was like that's pretty pretty much all the map was i maybe made some of the city parts like some of the buildings like some of the outer buildings and like that was it um but then the contest came around and i didn't really have like anything i didn't really have anything else in mind so it was i think originally i wasn't going to make a map for it but then like two weeks into it i was like ah shit you know maybe i actually do want to make something and so I took the map that I was already working on, which is, you know, kind of cheating, but, you know, um, so I just built off of that and I just, you know, just went from there. And how did you feel then watching Joel play it? Because uh, it was such a pain for yeah, I mean, two he, player watching play. That was torture. Yeah. It, it, I, again, like I kind of knew that was going to happen. Like I know like, Sometimes he gets lost. Sometimes, like there, there's certain things that we take for granted that, like he, like other players will get tripped up on. Um, so it's definitely he, kind of he, he gets afraid, so he saves uh, at ten health. Uh, yeah, while monsters are teleporting in, like you dead meat. <laughs> yeah, he got screwed over a few times, and like he might have gotten lost a few times. So it was definitely kind of a kind of a frustrating, a little bit of a frustrating experience. And I think there was even one part where um the cyber demon like somehow walked over like if this is after he grabbed the the red key i think it was and he takes the lift down and like right at the door there's a cyber demon he's like come on man why, why would you put a cyber demon there that's just like that's just bad design like why would why would you even do that it's just like not even fair but it was like dude the, the cyber demon like walked over there like i don't know what you want from me like i it's not like i planned that to happen yeah, and he had uh, the same issues with a lot of the maps. Like some of those maps, like were pretty much well thought out, and then he just was in there with his careless attitude, and he just obliterated all of the mappers' plans. Yeah, so that that was a crapshoot. Like you, you had to make it pretty easy for him to follow a path, basically. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, 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 when uh, I think Zaster's map ended up winning, right? I'm not even. I think sure. Dead Wire won. I think or Dead uh, Air, one of those. I, I don't think it was first though. I think some something else was first. Hmm. Oh, maybe it was. Damn, I can't remember what it was now. Yeah, yeah I, I failed to prepare on this one, so I don't have that prepared like the winners but yeah i think there was actually i remember like there was a dragonfly early dragonfly map that was the the rhythmic shit like you know where you were supposed to uh, play without going into menus because like music was playing and you were supposed to be like it was supposed to be in synth with the changing colors of the map like really really ambitious shit and he just broke it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is definitely an, an, uh, an interesting thing. You know, I think, okay, you know, I just remembered something. So I think part of what um, happened with him playing my map was, so he definitely bit off more than he could chew, than he could chew with, that, with that thing. Like, he definitely didn't think there would be this much attention and this many, like, uh, maps being submitted. So you can tell during some of those later streams, he was rushing through the maps because he was just, like, getting really, like, frustrated was, and tired of yeah, going through every map after map yeah Six and i think our streams 
<laughs> yeah, and I think one of the one or two maps before mine like really pissed him off, and he was just like you know flying through the map, and so he finally gets to gets to my map, and he still is kind of in that frustrated like I just want to fly yeah. through this shit my, my, uh, mindset, and that's uh-huh. that's really what like kind of like you know ended up screwing me over. You get you get screwed over by the previous mapper. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so now that we're into the the, the meme shit. You, you're some of a, something of a, a master doom memer <laughs> before that was even a thing. Like, yeah, dude, the pro doom monster strats. Ah, yeah, so, so, your masterpiece from 2010. Goddamn! <laughs> how did how did you even think about that? Like, like was that parody of something, or were you like trolling someone? <laughs> I think it was just like a random idea I might have had for a video because I think like during those years I was still like pretty active making YouTube videos and I think some of the maps I had before that were like um like blood co-op videos, shadow warrior co-op videos and I I kind of just wanted to make like some like just some like stupid, you know, I I don't know, it was just like just some stupid video I wanted to make because I I think I also wanted to be like kind of informative about like some of the strategies you can use against the uh the monsters and stuff like that just from just from like all my time playing the game you know i, I kind of don't want to like put what i the knowledge i gained into like video form and have it be like you know something really stupid and goofy at the same time and you you became uh a fortune superstar yeah it, it was pretty funny seeing it explode there's even like Something I always remember, like first whenever I think about Produce Monster Strats, someone made uh, agitating skulls in hot sauce. Like he actually made up like a label and everything. There's like multiple like jars of it, and it was like, wow, this guy like went went the distance. Like, like agitating skeleton is it's pretty much uh, a term at this point. Like, like yeah. everyone knows that, <laughs> and people like, have you seen have you seen uh, the Doomer like? Uh, goes by the name D Wars. Uh, yeah, um, he he basically just just quotes your videos uh, verbatim. <laughs> he just uses your vocabulary all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I'm mostly I've only seen his um his heretic stuff because you know I'm a narcissistic bastard. So of course the only thing I watched of his was him playing Elf Gets Pissed. But yeah, it, it, I think I think I caught him making a few references there. What's the other guy? Uh, Decino is that his name? The uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He also, I know, he also makes a lot of references and stuff like that. He makes a lot of great videos. No, it's 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 where the the Doom YouTube started. <laughs> so you uh, and talking about this this uh, kind of obscure stuff, uh, you also do like uh, voice jobs, right? So there's. Uh, You've been doing stuff like uh, there's a, a CTF announcer uh, that is your voice. And yeah. There's uh, the most amazing thing I, I remember is your uh, voice pack for uh, Kill Frenzy. That's just <laughs> that's just a, a a lot of voice work there. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a lot of different lines and stuff like that. But you know, it it was pretty fun doing it because it wasn't really like any kind of serious like lines of dialogue or anything like that. So I could like really 
you know, go crazy and cheese it up with the delivery and stuff like that. Yeah, because uh, normally you go to like, uh, you, you know, you start start with kill frenzy and go to godlike at thirty kills, and uh, kill frenzy goes up to like, I don't know, five hundred kills, <laughs> something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and just keeps escalating, and you just go more ridiculous with your lines. <laughs> Bashing Betty, loony larcenist. Well, we also can't forget about your ability to take a ridiculous forum post and record it in your own voice. For example, something that happened to me in 2005, there was this lovely player named Natural, who naturally, of course, was a huge cheater. And, uh, you know, there was some disagreement that he and I had. I, I couldn't remember. 2005, uh, I was 13 years old. So who knows, right? But this guy uh, posted on the forums about me being unfair during a CTF tournament. And, I mean, it was just the most ridiculous post because it was riddled with uh, misspellings and weird weird shit like bad grammar. And the greatest thing ever was hearing you read that post out loud in the fucking greatest voice. So, I mean, you really have uh, <laughs> this great voice and this great voiceover you know, this great voiceover voice. I love it. Thank you. And you're still uh, like uh, 25 years, well, 15 years later. I, I should <laughs> say 25, 15 years later, you're Math. still doing the same with uh, you recently, uh, well, semi recently voiced the, the famous uh, Blood Aid crypto uh, post, at least part of it. Uh, yeah, that, that thing was. I mean, what, what, what more can be said about it? Because that, that post is like just like it, it's it's legendary. Like I don't know how you could even like that 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 kind of post is like one of a kind. It's it's so great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where memes are born. Damn, how did the how did the opening line go again? You think I would remember because I recorded it, but man, I remember the the flood of accusations. <laughs> oh yeah. But the first, two, I, I would have to get like someone tell me the first two words, <laughs> and then then I would get going. <laughs> Man, I I definitely was I had the mindset that I was going to try to do every every paragraph in that post, but I I definitely gave up after like the third one because it's just it it was too much. It but it's it also like on. the the, yeah. the paragraphs after like the first three and first oh, yeah. three really aren't okay. like that funny anymore. You humor me greatly with your arrogance and contempt. Oh yeah, that's really right. <laughs> a lot of accusations. You humor me the... greatly with your arrogance and contempt. A flood of accusations born from the poison of envy and smite of disrespect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now we're now we're pretty much into 2020 is there anything doom related that you're working on right now you have any projects up your sleeve uh anything that's caught your eye recently what do you got going on uh well there's still like this um this push map that i just keep pushing away Ugh. yeah there's like this um jumping flash uh it was like this old one of the first like playstation one games uh i made a map that actually i actually went through the trouble of, like ripping the game's textures with like um like the using an emulator and then it like 
it, it rips the textures and like tile in like tile form to to memory and like i went into photoshop and you know cropped every single texture out of the game it was like a huge ordeal uh ripping all the stuff out of the game and i made like pretty much like a, a recreation of like the first level in the game but then i found out like pretty much after i built it built everything it was like oh this actually isn't really that great for the mod because there's like not enough pitfalls and stuff and so i would have to like cut up the map and make sure like there was like a lot less you know saw the land to uh to like to, to fight on because otherwise just nobody's gonna die and it's gonna be boring as hell so it's like that that's a map that I, I keep just delaying like finishing it um i do sometimes play with the idea of making a few more heretic maps there's still like a few ideas bouncing around in my head um oh yeah i mean i guess there's still i actually have been because there's pretty much since um the last mayhem like the halloween one from last year like i really haven't haven't been making maps at all until like the past few weeks where i actually went and i went through some of the like old maps that i made that, that were like unfinished and unreleased and stuff like that and there's like this one dual map that i made from like 2008 that i randomly just decided to like work on and finish and so like that's a map that I, i'm wanting to test out with people and see how it plays um, there's I actually made a few deathmatch maps. Um, I've been talking to Ralph. Maybe if he feels like doing another UDM series, I, I would you know I, I would be game for that at this point because I already have like a few maps made for it. So if other people stepped in, to, you know, to make maps for it, I, w- I would probably be down for another UDM. Really. So uh, as the last thing, I I want you to describe to our listeners. Uh, what would you say are the uh, biggest pros of uh, of Barons of Hell? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of things I like about Barons of Hell. I mean, they're big, they're buff. I mean, they they have like this amazing, just demonic, manly musk to them. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. Nothing like you know. Just caressing big bulging muscles of a baron of hell. Get on down to the baron hole. <laughs> there you go. Have you have you seen that? Have you seen that video, dude? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> dude, it was it was Bones, so bad. Bones probably didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh no, Bones. I saw. I saw. Oh, <laughs> Man, it that was like. I was actually really excited, like when I was working on that map. I was like, "Man, this is a lot of fun working on this." And I'm like, at the same time, thinking to myself, "Like, dude, why, like, why am I at work, like, thinking about like how much I want to go home and like work on this fucking demon glory hole map? Like, what, what the fuck has my life come to?" <laughs> well, uh, I would say, you know, I think it, I think it's probably, fuck, I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. I, I really don't. Uh, it's fucking amazing on one hand. On the other hand, yeah, I really have not told anybody else that uh, I've seen that video. It's funny, too, because there's stuff that's not featured in the video because I wanted to leave it as a surprise. But I feel like nobody else has even <laughs> like loaded up the map because there's definitely more degenerate shit than that in, in the in the level. But nobody is like really bothered to, to look at it yet, except for Ling. Ling actually loaded up the map just to see if the... 
the uh, the uh, final part of the video is actually like something I scripted with ACS and stuff. But he was like, "Oh, I'm disappointed. This actually was just <laughs> something made for the video, not something actually scripted." Yeah, the, the cum shot death is not in the word. Like zero hours out of ten. <laughs> the false advertising. It's been great having you on. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. I mean, we basically went through your entire career as a doom mapper i really appreciate you coming on and and talking with us for a couple hours it was uh it was a lot of fun no problem but you know i think there's one thing we miss you know i think more important than all that stuff mentioned was the fact that i was a moderator for skull tag online now that was the high point in all my dooming years oh come on i mean you know i used to uh dial into karn's computer to start fnf i mean you know vpn man <laughs> You think you had it? You think you had power? It's funny. I still, I still remember. And there was like some video call that uh, Karn made. It was like me, Dagger, and like maybe a few other moderators. Um, like, and Dagger was like going on the going on the like this this spiel of like how serious this shit was. Like, think of this as a commercial product. You have to remain. You have to make yourself professional. You have to be professional. This is this is a serious product. I'm just like looking back on it now. I was like, "Oh my god, dude! This is like <laughs> that that show was just like a, a total joke that nobody probably even really remembers anymore." Oh, actually, we forgot about another thing. Uh, to to put you your mood down a bit, uh, would you like to say uh, something about your time on the ideal board? <laughs> I honestly, I barely even remember it. <laughs> Just pushed it out of your memory, like repressed. Yeah, well, honestly, I honestly I can barely even remember. I don't like. I don't even really remember that I was remember that I was a member of the ideal board. Like we would have to put you under hypnosis, and then the screaming would start. <laughs> Probably. You didn't repress it, do I? Did. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I, I didn't even know Rot was yeah. on the ideal board. That, that's why I'm drinking so much. Well, anyway. Uh, it's been really great. If you don't know where to start and you are someone that aspires to be a really successful multiplayer Doom mapper, not even multiplayer Doom, just a Doom mapper in general, you have to check out pretty much anything that Rocking has done. As we slide mentioned, slide into his DMs. Yeah, slide into his DMs. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> check, uh, you know, check yourself into the glory hole. Come on down to the Baron Hole!